7 o'clock. All right. Thank you, guys. You did a great job. Give them a hand, everybody. And let's, uh, amen. Let's go ahead and put a verse up there. How many of you have ever been afraid? The rest of you, I want to meet you. Well, we're in our series on landmines and the walk of faith. And I want to tell you, the enemy plants landmines in our path. And uh, one of my callings is to expose the devil so that you can defeat him. And we're going to just preach up Jesus and preach down the devil today. And I want to talk to you about the landmine of fear. Now, since all of us have experienced fear and uh, we know what it's like, I want to just read a verse to you now, 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 to 7. It says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is where? In you. Say with me, I've got a gift in me. And that's, of course, the Holy Spirit. Now he says, stir up that gift which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now I want you to preach this next part to me. Are you ready? For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Do you believe that? All right, let's move on. But what kind of spirit has God given us? Of power and of love and a sound mind. Father, thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear. Fear does not come from you. That is unnatural fear. Now, Lord, I pray that today the, the landmine of fear will be disarmed. Lord, I know that many in here today are struggling with fear, fear of the future, fear of sickness, fear of the destruction of their marriage and home. Many fears, Lord. And yet, Lord, you have given us not that spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Deliver us today. Break the shackles today. Disarm the spirit of fear today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We'll turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't be afraid. God is with you. Oh, I, this is one of my favorite verses. I really love that verse. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Now, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about landmines. We all know what a landmine is. A landmine is planted by an enemy so that you, when you step on it, it is hidden. And yet when you step on it, it explodes under your feet. Landmines bring great damage. They maim. They kill. There are spiritual landmines that the devil plants secretly in our life. They are covered up. And yet when we step on them, they explode under our feet. And when they do, it brings damage. It maims us. They, they uh, bring destruction to us. And that's because the enemy of our soul came not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give us life. Now, we've talked about the landmine of offense in the last few weeks. Offense toward each other. That's a landmine. You've got to get rid of it lest it turn into a root of bitterness. We talked about the landmine of offense towards God. There are people walking around offended with God. People not in church today because they're offended with God. That's a landmine. You've got to disarm it. We talked about the landmine of deception, the landmine of the myth of the greener grass. We've dealt with landmines, and these tapes have been going everywhere. Uh, lots of tapes moving through 
uh, the church, people buying them and taking them out, giving them to others, listening to them themselves over and again. Because we know we're in a warfare. And we have a diabolical enemy who plants landmines. One summer night during a severe thunderstorm, a mother was tucking her small son into bed. She was about to turn off the light when he asked in a trembling voice, Mommy, will you stay with me all night? Smiling, the mother gave him a warm, reassuring hug and said, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A long silence followed. At last it was broken by a shaky voice saying, The big sissy. We all experience fear, don't we? When storms of uncertainty rumble and the lightning of unexpected trials flashes in the night sky of our soul, we experience fear. Many people in our nation today are afraid, afraid of the economy, afraid of what the future holds, afraid of what they'll do if they lose their job, afraid of what they're going to do since they have lost their job. Fear is from the devil. The landmine of fear blows up under our feet when the spirit of fear begins to get a grip on our soul. The passages we read where Paul's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, tells us a lot of what we need to know about the spirit of fear, about when fear attacks us. I want you to notice what happened. Timothy, who was a pastor and also involved himself in evangelism, really the ministry God's called me to is a lot like Timothy. Timothy was primarily a pastor but he also evangelized. Uh, In a couple of weeks, we're going to be going to Haiti, taking Jesse Ariago with me to be my armor bearer. Stand up, Jesse. He's a pretty good armor bearer. Uh, Jesse called me this week. He said, hey, pastor, pray with me. I'm going to go to New Orleans to Mardi Gras. I said, okay, I'll pray for you. And I hung up. And the Lord just seemed to say, why is he going to New Orleans? Take him to Mardi Gras in Haiti. So I called him back and said, hey, Jesse, you want to go to uh, New Orleans? You want to go to Haiti? And I, he didn't speak for a while. And uh, he was, let, needless to say, excited. But we're going to be preaching at nights to 60,000 Haitians in a soccer stadium. And isn't that beautiful? So we're excited about that. And I believe masses are going to be saved. I thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And this was uh, Timothy's ministry. He was a pastor and he also evangelized. But notice what had happened. Timothy had begun to get attacked by a spirit of fear. Fear began to seep into his soul. And Paul tells us the effect this fear was having on him. Here's the effect it was having. Notice this. Paul said, don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Don't be ashamed to testify or ashamed of me, his prisoner. What was fear doing to Timothy? It was causing him to be ashamed of Jesus. He began to be afraid of what people thought, what might happen to him. He might get persecuted, might lose his life. Fear began to seep into this man of God's soul. Paul learned about it. And wrote him and said, Timothy, what are you doing? God didn't give you this spirit of fear. 
The spirit that God gave you is one of power and of love and a sound mind. And I want to preach that into us today. Your heavenly Father did not give you a spirit of tormenting fear. That did not come from the heavenly Father. But God gave you a spirit that has power and spirit of love and a spirit of sanity, of a sound mind. That's what came from God. Now, here's what happened to Timothy. He was burying his spiritual gift because of fear. He was pulling back from witnessing because of fear. And he was seeking the safety of risk-free, plain vanilla mediocrity. He was fading into the background instead of standing up for Jesus. Fear. Fear is sinister. It's diabolical in that it can hit you all of a sudden or it can seep into your soul. It can come quietly and stealthily but steadily until finally you're ruled more by fear than you are faith. His father in the faith, the Apostle Paul, writes him and rebukes him. He says, Timothy, God did not give to you what is happening to you. God did not put this spirit of fear on you, son. This did not come from God. And I hear that echoing down to you and me today. If fear is trying to get a grip on you, let's let the Apostle Paul talk to us as well. My son, my daughter, God has not given you this spirit of fear. He is not tormenting you with worry. He did not tell you to get all uptight and get a knot in your stomach. Your God gave you a spirit of love and a spirit of power, and a spirit of a sound mind. He put a skip in your step, a gleam in your eye, a smile on your face, peace in your heart. Your God gave you the Holy Ghost. Now, please understand today that fear can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. It can be healthy or it can be unhealthy. For instance, the Bible speaks positively about the fear of the Lord. And what's the fear of the Lord? It's the constant awareness that God is watching and weighing every one of my thoughts, actions, and attitudes. God is weighing them and words that come out of my mouth. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is if I do that and it's wrong, He's going to whoop me. That's a good, healthy fear of the Lord. And the Bible says that's a good thing. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. But the Bible talks negatively about fears that have the potential to bind us up. The Bible speaks negatively about that. One commentator breaks down the different kinds of fears like this. Fright is instinctive fear. It's designed to protect us from physical danger. Worry is fear produced by our worst imaginings. Guilt is fear caused by a troubled conscience. Insecurity is fear prompted by feelings of inadequacy. Dread is fear generated by life's fundamental uncertainty. If you want some dread, let me tell you where to get it. Turn on ABC, CBS, NBC, or CNN, and you'll have some dread. Everything's coming unhinged. Everything's, listen, get up in the morning and tune into J-E-S-U-S and let Him give you peace instead of fear. When it comes to the unhealthy kind of fear, think about this. I want you to think about this with me. The unhealthy kind of fear. You never find Jesus putting that kind of fear on people. Never. His question was always this. Why are you afraid? 
He was constantly encouraging his disciples with these words, be not afraid. Jesus never put tormenting fear on anybody. Now here's a principle I want you to remember. Satan always appeals to your fears, but God always appeals to your faith. The devil will work on your fear. He will exacerbate your fear. He will stoke your fear. But God will always, always build your faith. He will always get you excited about the future. He will always speak to your faith. Now notice that Paul called the fear that was troubling Timothy a spirit of fear. He said, Timothy, God hasn't given you not just fear, God hadn't given you fear, but he said God hadn't given you a spirit of fear. When the Bible uses the word spirit like that, a spirit of fear, it's talking about a spiritual influence. Actually, it's talking about a spiritual personality. God has not given you a spiritual fear. This, this fear that is from the enemy, it was a personality. It was a demon of fear, a spirit of fear. It wasn't just that Timothy was feeling fearful, just feeling afraid. He was under attack by a spirit that God had not sent. It was an evil spirit. Now, why did the enemy attack Timothy with this fear? And why does he attack you and me with fear? I want you to listen carefully today because I'm going to tell you why the landmine of fear is planted in your life. Listen carefully. Satan plants the landmine of fear to hinder your spiritual progress. That's why it comes. And how do I know that? Because that's what it was doing to Timothy. It was hindering his spiritual progress. When we begin to bear fruit for God's glory, I guarantee you, you give your life to Jesus and you say, Oh, Lord, use me. And you step out in faith and you begin operating in his purpose for you, his destiny for you. And in your spiritual gifting, you begin to flow and function. That's when the enemy will put you in the crosshairs, and, and send against you a spirit of fear. He'll invade your life with fear because he knows that fear ties us into knots. Fear makes us behave irrationally. Fear can cause us to misrepresent God. You're walking around afraid all the time, and people know you're a Christian. They say thanks, but no thanks. Fear breaks relationships, and fear paralyzes us, and he knows that. John Ortberg wrote this about fear, quote, What would you guess is the most common command in Scripture? Is it not for us to be more loving? That may be the core to God's desire for human life, but that is not his most frequent instruction. Writers about spiritual life often speak of pride as being at the root of human fallenness. But the Bible's most frequent imperative does not have to do with avoiding pride or gaining humility. It is not a command to guard sexual purity or to walk with integrity, important as these qualities are. Ortberg goes on and says, The single command in Scripture that occurs more often than any other, God's most frequently repeated instruction comes in two words, Fear not. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. Hey, church, I'm about to preach fear out of your life. I want you to know God has not made Christians to be afraid. 
Why does God command us not to fear? Because if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And if you're going to get out of the boat, you're going to have to tell fear where to get off. I think I'm looking at water walkers today. I think I'm looking at some people that want to be water walkers today. That is, people who walk by faith and not by sight. People who are ruled by faith and not ruled by a spirit of fear. If that's true, give the Lord a praise today. Come on. I want you to say with me, God has not given me a spirit of fear. And God has not called me to professional worry. Amen. Now let me give you a news flash today. One of Satan's favorite tactics is to plant the landmine of fear to keep us from stepping out into a fruitful life of faith. One day an old farmer was sitting on his front porch when a stranger came along and asked him something. He said, how's your cotton coming? Ain't got none, he replied. Didn't plant none. Afraid of the boll weevil. Well, how's your corn? Didn't plant none of that either. Afraid of drought. Well, how about your potatoes? Ain't got none. Scared to tater bugs. The stranger finally asked, well, what did you plant? Nothing, answered the farmer. I just played it safe. Fear wants you to do nothing by playing it safe. God hadn't called you to play it safe. Well, pastor, if I don't play it safe, I can't, I can't save my face. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to save my face. I don't want to lose my reputation. God didn't come to save your face. He came to save your soul. Don't worry about what people think about you. You better not step out in faith. You'll lose face. <laughs> you may lose face, but you'll gain grace. Hey, we wouldn't be in this building if we hadn't put off fear and put on faith and said God's going to give us a building where we can seat the people that are coming and we move forward in faith and look what the Lord has done. Come on, everybody. Now, when I think about fear, I realize that fear comes in many ways. It, it manifests itself in many ways. But here's one of the main ones I see with, with believers. It, it comes as intimidation. The limitation of intimidation. The devil wants to intimidate you. He wants you to walk in fear. Intimidation means to frighten somebody into doing or not doing something. That's intimidation. To frighten somebody into doing or not doing something. Intimidation attacks us with feelings of inadequacy and insecurity. This is exactly the landmine that blew up under Moses when God called him. Remember what Moses said when God spoke to him out of the burning bush and said, I want you to go free my people from Egypt? Look what he said. He said, who, 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 who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? And that is exactly the limitation of intimidation. He was struck with fear immediately, and he immediately looked at himself and said, I can't deliver them out. I can't do that. Saints of God, can I tell you today, when God calls you, it's always going to be something you can't do. If you could do it, why do you need God to call you to do it or to anoint you to do it or appoint you to do it? When God calls you and I, it's always bigger than us. 
taller than us, wider than us, deeper than us, beyond us. Because when it happens, He doesn't want us to say, look what I did. He wants us to be on our knees saying, look what the Lord has done. We give you the glory, God. You did this. Moses was basically telling God what I told God when he called me. You made a big mistake calling me. I'm not adequate. Fear gripped his heart. When God called me to preach, I said the very same thing. Who am I? And you got the wrong guy, and you got to be kidding me. Have you searched this room out? There's other people way more capable than me. And that's exactly what God wanted to hear. He didn't want somebody to say, well, it's about time you found me. I mean, look what you've had sitting here all this time, and you let me sit. I'm telling you, it's a good thing, God, you finally found out the person who can really do it. No, no. When God calls you, you say with Gideon, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. That's what Gideon said, the limitation of intimidation. He said, How can I? My clan is the weakest. I am the least. That's what was happening with Gideon. Fear. Fear gripped their heart. And I want to tell you, if God calls you, God anoints you. When God calls you, He enables you. And He doesn't want us walking in a spirit of fear. Fear can manifest as the dread of failure. You're afraid to try because you're afraid to fail. So you don't go to school. You don't start that business. You don't step out in that ministry because you are afraid to fail. And like Timothy, you drop back and you begin to play it safe. Fear's mantra is this, don't rock the boat. Don't make waves. If that's your philosophy, you're in the wrong church. Because you know what I intend to do? Rock the boat and make waves. I mean, everybody else is rocking the boat and making waves in our culture. Why not believers stand up, put on the anointing of God, kick fear out the back door, and refuse to be intimidated by what people think. Fear had begun to quench Timothy's supernatural gifting, and Paul was concerned. His words to his spiritual son burned with encouragement. He said, stir up into a blaze the gift that God gave to you when I laid my hands on you. Stir it up into a blaze. So the landmine of fear we can see from Timothy's experience comes to rob us of our peace, choke our witness, and hinder spiritual growth. Now, how do you disarm the landmine of fear? You're afraid today. Fear is attacking you today. How do you disarm it? How do you get the victory over fear? Let me tell you three things that will help you. First, you have got to feed your faith. Can I just make it real simple? The options... Before you and I today are to walk in faith or to walk in fear. Walk in faith or live in dread. Jesus predicted that in the last days the world would be filled with dread and fear. He said men's hearts would literally be failing them for what was coming on the world. But that's not what he's called believers to live in. The child of God is not to be moved by cataclysmic events on the world scene. Yes, I know what's happening in the Middle East. Yes, I know that rogue nations have the bomb. Yes, I know that we're racing towards Armageddon. 
But Jesus said, when you see these things, lift up your head, child of God, because your redemption is drawing nigh. The child of God can enjoy the peace that passes understanding. You know what? Sometimes the Lord calms the storm, but sometimes He lets the storm rage and He calms His child. He'll either calm the storm or He'll calm you in the middle of the storm. Either way, it's a win-win for the child of God. You're not called to live in fear, but in faith. The pivot point that decides whether you will walk in peace or in a spirit of fear depends on which one you feed the most. Isn't that simple? Which one do you feed the most? This is why you have got, now hear me on this one, you've got to establish spiritual disciplines in your life. You've got to. Now, you know what? I love building fires in the fireplace. Built one last night, trying to get rid of the wood before it's too hot. We've had a mild winter. So Kathy said, well, it's a little cold. Build a fire. I said, all right. I'm good at building fires. I like building fires. Something homey and comfy about it. Amen? But you know what I know about fire. Once you start that fire, you've got to feed it. You can't just let it go. Once you get the fire burning, you can't say, well, the fire is lit. It's good for the next eight hours. You know better than that. You've got to feed it. If you don't feed the fire, it will die. Now listen to me, church. Your faith is the same way. It's a fire. It is something that is living inside of you. It is either raging and strong or it's weak and ebbing. And how do you keep that faith strong? You've got to feed it. And how do you feed it? This is a book full of logs. Every verse is a log. And you open up this book and you read a verse from the Bible and you put a new log on the fire. And then an hour later, you've got to put another log on it. And you find that if your faith is going to burn bright and going to carry you through the trials of life, you've got to feed that fire every day. Listen, if you don't stay in the Word of God, you're going to get in trouble. Can I just be real blunt with you? Well, I had a good time in the Word last month. That was last month. Let me give you a newsflash. Your faith is already flickering because you've got to feed your faith. You've got to stay in prayer. You've got to stay in the Word of God. I can't tell you how often I open up this Bible any given day and I read it. And if I can't get to it, I put sermons and messages on my iPod and I let it come to me in the car. I listen to the Word of God all the time. Why? Because I've got to stoke that fire of faith inside of me. I want it burning brightly. Heard Charles Stanley last night. Charles Stanley said, if I came to your house, if I came to your house on a Saturday, and it had been a week since you were in church, and I went and found your Bible, wherever you laid it, and I picked it up, would I find fresh fingerprints on it, or would I find dust? Charles Stanley said that, I didn't, so I'm going to let him get on to you. And that's the deal. You see, God calls us not just to get the Word here. You've got to get the Word on your own. You've got to go out back. You've got to get the wood. You've got to bring it in. You've got to put it on your own fire. I'm not responsible for the fire of your faith. Matter of fact, can you imagine if everybody would come in here burning because they have fed the fire of faith all week long? We would have an explosion.
Is the fire of your faith ebbing? Are you walking in worry and in fear? Are they gaining ground in your life? Then I suggest to you, you've got to feed your faith and feed it every day. Now say with me, feed my faith. I'm telling you, only you can do it, and nobody can do it for you. You are the keeper of the flame in your heart. Now the second way to disarm fear is you've got to face the bully. Face the bully. Fear is a bully. The strength of bullies comes from your fear of them. And when you face them, they cower. Have you ever noticed that? The strength of a bully is when you're afraid of him. But when you cease being afraid of the bully and you face him, he cowers. There is no greater example of this than David and Goliath and the way that Goliath intimidated the children of Israel. The Bible says that Goliath appeared nine feet tall, the original Old Testament terrorist. And he faces the children of Israel and he begins to mock them every day. He taunts them in the morning. He taunts them in the evening. He speaks to them when they wake up and he speaks to them when they go to bed. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy you. I challenge you to send somebody out to fight me. I'm bigger than you, stronger than you. Where is your God? Where is your keeper? And the Bible says, on hearing Goliath's threatening words, Saul, even the king, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And again it says, when the Israelites saw the man, they ran from him in great fear. You know what David said about this when he came and saw that scene? He said, this is a disgrace. Here's the people of God, the people of covenant, the people whose God is Jehovah. And this giant is taunting them with fear. The entire nation was gripped in the paralysis of fear. It's a great example of what happens to Christians and believers throughout the centuries if they don't fight fear. They were all trembling in their tents, and nobody would go out to meet this giant. David said, what a disgrace, in chapter 17, verse 26. But David's testimony and actions were totally opposite. I want you to listen to what he said. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. You see, David had a history with the power of God. Now, you wonder why you're in trials. You wonder why you're having to fight what you're having to fight. You wonder why the enemy has come against your home and come against your marriage and come against your finances. You wonder why you're in this battle. Can I tell you why? It's your lion and it's your bear. What you defeat in private, God is going to bring you eventually to a public victory over a giant. In private, you defeat the lion and you defeat the bear. And that gives you a history with the power of God. One day, David's standing there looking at his sheep. And here came an Israeli lion, bigger than him, stronger than him. But he was a shepherd. And David stepped out 
And as he stepped out towards the lion, something supernatural came upon him. Nobody was looking but the angels of God. There was nobody around, no human witnesses. But David stepped out, something supernatural came upon him. He grabbed the lion by the beard, an Israeli lion, and took him to the ground with his bare hands and defeated him, stood up and fainted. He said, wow, what was that that came upon me? God saw his future. He knew that his greatest hour was yet to come. God knew that one day this young boy was going to face a Goliath, a nine-foot giant taunting the armies of God. And so he taught him the power of God when nobody was looking. He taught him how to move in the anointing when nobody was around. He gave him private victories so that when he needed a public triumph, he would have a history with the power of God. Oh, this is good stuff. I want you to catch this now. See, God never wastes a battle. God never wastes a pain. Whatever you're going through right now, it is preparing you for the next step. Something is coming down the road and you're going to bring it down. And you know why you're going to bring it down? Because you are defeating right now the lion and the bear in your private life when nobody is looking. And so the Bible says that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the giant. He ran towards the roar. Can you say that with me today? David ran towards the roar. That's what you got to do with fear. Stand up to it and run towards the roar. You know the rest of the story. Goliath's head was served up on a platter and Israel was delivered. David had learned to run towards the roar, to face his fear and refuse to be intimidated. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that maybe he had some sweaty palms and a knot in his stomach as he headed towards that giant? If you say say no because he was David, I'm telling you, you're wrong. He had sweaty palms and he had a knot in his stomach. How do you know that? Because I know he was human. And let me give you a principle. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is action in spite of fear. Run towards the roar and face it down. Now, a third way to disarm the landmine of fear, and I'm going to close with this, is to realize that the answer to fear is a person. The answer to fear is a person. God's answer to fear is not an argument or a formula. It's a person. That's why God said this to Abraham. He said, fear not, I am. Let me just stop right there. Fear not, why should you not be afraid, Abraham? Because I am. I am your shield. God himself is the final answer to every fear of the human heart. Why do you think God called himself I am in the Old Testament? What a name. I am. Who are you? I am. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's talking about his eternal nature. He always has been, always will be. But there's more in that name. There's a personal encouragement in that name, I am. See, according to his name, God is the essence of whatever you need at the moment. He am. He am. Well, what is he? Well, the Bible says God's speaking for himself. He says, I am your strength. I am your courage. I am your health. 
I am your hope. I am your supply. I am your defender. I am your deliverer. I am your forgiveness. I am your joy. I am your future. I am what I am, and that's all what I am. See, Popeye stole that from God. In short, God is saying to you and to me, I am whatever you need me to be whenever you need it. I am your all-sufficient, ever-present, all-knowing, all-providing God. Fear evaporates in the presence of God. The Bible says there is no fear in God's love. But perfect love casts out fear. It casts it out. Love casts fear out because fear involves torment. For David, the answer to fear was a person. It wasn't just an idea or a philosophy. It was a person, the person of God. When David was afraid, he ran into the presence of God. Have you tried that lately? Have you tried running into the arms of God when you're afraid? Have you tried going into the prayer room, shutting the door, turning the radio off, turning the TV off, shutting Cosmo magazine or people and opening up the Bible and getting with God and saying, I'm afraid, and, and nestling yourself in His arms? David said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Let me answer that question. Nothing. Don't be afraid of men. They can't do anything to you. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? He said, when I am afraid, I run to the shadow of your wings. He said, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High and rests in the shadow of the Almighty will not fear. Will not fear. And what will you not fear? The terror of night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. You will not walk in a spirit of fear, but a spirit of faith. Children of God, I'm here today to tell you that God is ever-present. He is your God. And in His presence is joy evermore. And fear must leave when faith walks in. We are to feed our faith, face the bully, and spend time in the presence of God. And God will make us an army that is not afraid of the frown of man, not afraid of consequences for standing up to Him, not walking in the limitation of intimidation, but we are free indeed to make a mark for Him before He comes again. And that's soon. Can you stand up with me today? Say with me, I will not be afraid, because greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Father, we just thank you for the absence of fear in this house. Lord, I want to pray that those that have been afraid will experience the love of God, the power of God, and the deliverance of God from a spirit of fear. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I've been struggling with fear 
I want you to raise your hand. Just raise it high. Many of you. Well, you know what? We're standing on miracle ground. God's going to give us deliverance. I want you with your hands raised to say, Heavenly Father, I turn to you. I receive this word. I will today feed my faith, throwing new verses on the fire. And Lord, I will face the fear, and I will rest in your presence where there is fullness of joy. Father, I pray that the peace of God, like a mighty river, would flow over them. And, Lord, there would be deliverance from fear. Thank you, Lord, that we can know if we're afraid unnaturally, it didn't come from you. It's an attack against our faith to hinder our walk. Lord, I pray that everyone dealing with fear will begin to walk in that faith and be fruitful in the house of God. Move in their gift and move in their calling and move in their purpose. I pray, Lord, that peace will replace that fear. And that, Lord, they will wake up with a mind at rest and not a mind in fear. And thank you, Lord, that if we're dealing with fear, we know it's because the enemy got nervous about us and is trying to hinder what you're doing in our heart. Lord, thank you for total deliverance from it and boldness instead of fear. Thank you that Goliath is coming down. And thank you the lion and the bear we're struggling with in private will be defeated as part of our spiritual resume. Now whatever your lion and bear is, I want you to give it to God and say, Lord, thank you. I'm going to have victory privately. I'm going to have victory privately. And this is preparing me for the next step. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this through one time as we close.